Welcome to Living the Dream Outdoors, the official podcast of Living the Dream Outdoor Properties. We live by the motto, it's not just land, it's a lifestyle. And we live the outdoor lifestyle every day. Whether you're a landowner or dreaming of joining the ranks of those closest to the earth, we're your brothers and sisters of the outdoors. We hunt, we fish, we're stewards of the land, and our Living the Dream team will show you the way to enjoying the land and all the outdoor pursuits it has to offer. Here's your host, Bill Cooper. Welcome to Living the Dream Outdoor Podcast. I'm your host, Bill Cooper, and this week I've been over at Blue Blank Resort, Real Foot Lake, Tennessee. Love this place. Beautiful cypress swamps, big trees, and man, Blue Bank Resort is the place to come on Real Foot Lake. I grew up just across the Mississippi River from this place, but never got here until, gosh, I was in my 60s probably. (laughs) But last year and this year, I've come to a crappie fishing media event. I'm sitting here in my motel room with Greg Kaiser and Jim Garrett. These guys are G&G Outdoors, and uh, they're fishing guides. At least one of them is, and I think they're cousins, and they do look a little bit alike, I guess. <laughs> I, don't, I hope that don't get me in trouble. <laughs> but where are you guys out of? We're out of Champaign, Illinois. Which is where now? It's uh, East Central Illinois. East Central Illinois. Now, all I can remember about Central Illinois, I've gone through there a few times, cornfields, am I in the right part? You got it. (laughs) Cornfields, soybeans. (laughs) Grow some big deer over there, though. If you're looking for water, you're in the wrong part of the country. (laughs) Yeah. You've got to travel for water. Travel for water. Well, I guess you got to stay busy at that because you you got on, what, a half a dozen uh, lakes in Illinois, is that Mattoon? Is that how you pronounce that? Mat- Mattoon, Lake Mattoon. Okay. Yep. What are the other lakes you got on? I got on Lake Mattoon, Lake Paradise, uh, Wren Lake. I'll, I'll occasionally go down to Wren Lake. It's about a two and a half hour drive for me, so it's got to be a. You know, we got to do a couple days there. So. Oh. But yeah. then I do Lake Shelbyville, uh, Lake Decatur, and Clinton Lake. And you live? Which one's the closest one to you? Uh, Clinton is the closest one to me. And how large of a lake is that? It's uh, what is that? Like 6,500 acres, 7,000. Oh, that's good size. It's not too bad. Yeah. It's a hot water lake, so. Oh. It's a power plant lake. Power plants. Those can be hot spots sometimes. It it can be hot spot, and it also can be a cold spot. (laughs) (laughs) All all part of it. Well, how long have you been guiding, Jim? I've been guiding. This is my second year full time, but I've been fishing for. I mean, I owned a boat before I owned a car, my aunt and uncle. <laughs> yeah, my aunt and uncle had a place on Mattoon, and they would uh, they'd come pick me up in my boat and drop me in the water, and uh, I wouldn't co- I'd pack a cooler, and I wouldn't come back till it was time to go home. Well, Greg, do you go with him on any of these guide trips? No, I've helped out on a few events. Um, he volunteers his time for veteran events. Awesome. Um, and so while he's up working with the veteran uh, putting the veteran on fish. I'm managing the fish and the boat. and You're uh, doing the hard stuff. Well, you know, it, <laughs> oh, I'm going to tell you, we tournament fish too, and the live well is a hard job. I wouldn't want it. I don't want it. I, I probably wouldn't either. I'd rather stay on the fish. Man, I'm going to tell you, this dude right here is good at keeping fish alive. Hey, that's important in the tournament it's, scene it these is. days, isn't it? Uh, you get penalized for a dead fish, right? You, you can't, can't weigh them. You can't even weigh them. You can't weigh dead wow. fish. Well, I know in some of the 
over my part of the world, some of the smaller bass clubs, you know, fish the rivers and stuff, you have a dead fish, not only do you not get to weigh it, but you, you get a penalty for it, that dead fish. So that, that really makes you do your best to try to take care of those fish. You know, it's interesting about uh, tournaments. I'm 74 years old. I remember when tournaments really started coming on the scene, you know, organized events. I mean, I lost a lot of money just <laughs> just betting, you know, guys out fishing together. Always got beat when I bet. I finally learned my lesson, I guess. But I was, uh, I didn't think too much of tournaments when they first come on the scene, particularly the bass, the bass tournaments, because everybody, it just mushroomed, exploded all at once, it seemed like. And I got a lot of invites to come cover bass tournaments, but it was such a phenomenon among outdoor riders. All of a sudden, every outdoor rider in the country is a bass fishing expert, and he wants to go cover these tournaments, you know. And I saw what was coming. I thought, that that market is going to get so oversaturated so quickly I wouldn't be able to sell a lot of bass fishing articles, you know, about tournaments. So I never really got into that scene too much, and I really badmouthed them for a while because if you guys remember, I don't know if you do or not, you're not near as old as me, but there were a lot of dead fish at bass tournaments in the beginning. And, man, I thought, that's just horrible. They're killing all these fish, and they, they took some pretty heavy browbeating, you know. But if you remember, too, things started improving very quickly. Mm-hmm. Kind of the criticism caught on. And then I started – I tried to keep up with it just to kind of know what was going on. But you'd you'd hear stories about, uh, hey, somebody invented an aerator or some chemical or right. something. But, and pretty soon it got to where you just didn't hear about a dead fish very often. Plus, I think – some grand things that Bass Tournament did for the public was they made people very aware about bass fishing. They put pressure on our conservation departments to do a better job. And it's been a phenomenon that's gone on since, gosh, what, the 70s and 80s? Yeah. yeah. And how many thousands and thousands of people, men and women and young folks too, now we've got – bass fishing teams at universities you know just an incredible thing well would you guys ever have thought the tournament situation would have reached the level that it has in this country uh honestly when i was a young man i really aspired to be a professional fisherman uh that changed as i've gotten older uh just those guys i I don't want to work that hard i (laughs) i I agree with they were hard uh just just as a weekend um a local club tournament angler and uh, a couple of these other venues it it it's very demanding time energy um sacrifices you make with your family absolutely i at this point in my life i'm glad that i didn't go that route um and I'm still able to enjoy the sport and dabble in some of the tournament scene, but to do it for a living, I my hats off to those guys that do it because that's a tough road it, to hope. It really is, and I've yeah. often wondered. You know, uh, I live close to the Lake of the Ozarks in Missouri, about an hour away, and I can watch the interstates on like Friday. And oh my gosh, the boats and right. you know, big trucks and big boats going down the highway, and all I see is dollar signs. You know, I mean, guys are probably mortgaging their homes to come up with these these rigs, and you know. There's only one winner in those tournaments, you know. The guy that gets the big bucks is right on top, and then the dollar amount seems to go down pretty quick. But I understand the 
intrigue and the excitement and all that that sort of thing. And I've gone to uh, oh probably two or three or four of these big bass bash tournaments where anybody Joe Blow can enter, you don't got a chance of winning a hundred thousand dollars for the biggest fish. Yeah, that's pretty incredible. And then, I wish somebody would do that for crappie. Yeah, no kidding, man. But these guys, they hand out, you know, dollar prizes by the hour. Right. Even a pretty incredible thing. Well, why is it you think that the bass tournaments are so much grander and bigger scale than the crappie tournaments? I would, I don't know. I don't know if there's more people in the country that crappie fish than bass fish, but. A couple of reasons I feel. Uh, One, I feel bass fishing had incredible marketing. I yeah. mean, they had Bassmaster Magazine. Everybody wanted a copy of that. They were, they were yeah. covering it with television. They did an incredible job in the early stages of promoting yeah, Bass that sport. Scene. Yeah, yeah. I think you're probably you're probably right uh, because I would if I I had to bet I might lose again. I'm pretty good at losing <laughs> what I bet, but I would almost think there are more crappie fishermen in the united states than bass fishermen i think so but i also feel like it's like the country split like as soon as you get too far north the focus changes like you get too far north and now you're into the walleye and the smallmouth right. and muskie and and it, for whatever reason south and east tends to be a, a really good crappie population uh where they're focused on that and i don't understand it because that is a family friendly fishing experience i mean you can make it as difficult as you want you can tournament fish and you can uh, but you can absolutely take the wife and kids go out and have a great time crappie fishing good point where you can chuck a lure all day long and never get a bass bite and yeah and that's pretty discouraging too <laughs> Family, done particularly it. kids, you know. We all know that, hey, where right. do you start a kid? On a bluegill, man. Right. And crappie's pretty close to bluegill, and it is a great family sport. But I've heard guys argue, even heard our some of our conservation department personnel talk, keying in the country is still catfish. Mm. And I've watched regulations change on our big reservoirs in the state of Missouri, and they're always the slowest changing regulations in the fishing world. And I asked a biologist one time, he said, I said, why is that? Why does it take so long to get a catfish regulation changed in the state of Missouri? And he said, because those guys will be all over you if they're me- you're messing with their catfish. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'll tell you, uh, so... Uh, what came to mind when we were talking is the family-friendly part of it. Right. And that's where a fishing guide can really come into play because, you know, families, you're raising kids. You don't have all the money in the world. You can't afford a boat and a truck to pull it, and it's right. all the maintenance and all that. So for not a lot of money, you can hire a guide for the day. Uh, it's cheaper than having a boat payment. Well, a lot cheaper. And yeah. you go out and have a good time. And, you know, start building that relationship with your family and teaching your kids the sport. Now, that said, uh, we were talking about Clinton Lake earlier, and they started to stock blue cats in Clinton. They've got some really nice Biggins. big blue cats uh, in Clinton. Uh, so that program's coming along. They, they're not sustainable, of course. It's not moving right. water. It's a lake. but uh, And those guys... Well, it's got you, current from the power plant. Right, right, right. You better not 
Well, we're, they're hoping you better not put one in your boat if you catch a big and take a picture, toss it back over the side of the boat. And that's another phenomenon that's happened in the, in the catfishing world. I've seen tournaments come up, you know, and these guys same thing. Now, man, they are hardcore, dedicated people. I've gone to some of the events on the Missouri River, and, you know, I'm fascinated by each group of fishermen, the things that they do to catch fish, the knowledge that they've got, but catfishmen I, I don't know kind of a special breed to me and i don't catfish anymore i used to you know but it's incredible to go to these tournaments and watch the size fish that these guys bring in on our missouri river you know they they quit uh, commercial fishing around 1990 and boy the catfish population just exploded you can go catch you know some huge fish it, it's not uncommon for people to catch 15 60 pound blues anymore but back to the topic that you brought up about hiring guides i think that's a phenomena that's had to sink into our psyche just like all the other fishing phenomena right. the tournaments and the, all the new equipment and boats and everything that have come up but i've written gosh i'm in my 53rd year of outdoor riding in all five decades i have written stories about encouraging people to hire guides because back in those days you know you'd pay a guide back then it was maybe a hundred bucks a day or something on a hundred dollar bill for a dude just to take you fishing you know but i've watched untold numbers of families take their week's vacation go to lake x and want the kids to fish and everybody fish and not catch fish it ruins their whole vacation now, they spend all that money to go and travel, stay in motels and eat out, you know, and that sort of thing. But the basic of their whole vacation was to catch fish. They could spend another 100 bucks. It had one at least phenomenal day. Right. And not only that, you know, when you hire a guide and you take kids fishing, right, and they don't catch nothing, that is a huge huge disappointment <laughs> to them kids oh absolutely and a guy that's going to break his neck right to do the best for kids even though we're adults i mean uh, every guy that I my favorite with, guide trips are kids oh i hear that from lots of guides you know but hey guys hold that thought just but we're going to come back to that very topic because i think it's extremely important for people to understand the value of a guide and we're going next segment we'll talk about some of the benefits don't go away folks we don't care if you're carrying in the groceries washing the car or whatever we got some very interesting topics to talk about yet we'll be right back hi i'm steve stoltz with jury outdoors and you're listening to living the dream outdoors podcast with phil cooper and hunter Heinemann. Slow down and enjoy the simple things in life. Welcome to Huzal Valley Resort, providing family fun since 1979. They offer floating, and you can choose from canoes, rafts, kayaks, and inner tubes on a beautiful, crystal clear Huzal River. Lodging, let us be your home away from home. Choose from a variety of lodging units while still enjoying the great outdoors. With over two and a half miles of river camping on the crystal clear Huzal, we're sure you and your family will find the perfect spot to pitch your tent or park your RV. Have fun and let us help you get the most of your stay. Check out our guided trail rides and Karen's Cafe menu. 
There's something for everyone at Who's All. There's a campground store on site that has everything you need for your trip. Whether you're in need of gear, grub, or something else, chances are they've got it. And their campground has RV sites and primitive sites for all your camping needs. If you like the adventures of camping with a cozy bed at night, we have a variety of different lodging units to choose from. But Who's All Valley, there's always something going on out there. Check them out on Facebook, or if you want to make a reservation, simply call 1-800-367-4516. Hi, I'm Steve Stoltz, original Fury Outdoors team member and cast member of DeerCast. And we're talking about hunting big whitetails early season. We're here in September, and if you're not hunting, you need to be scouting and getting ready. Uh, uh, my tip here is this you have to make sure you have an escape as much as an approach a proper approach because i do not hunt big whitetails in the mornings early season that's just me i i believe you're doing more harm than good uh and the reason why is those big mature whitetails again are not traveling very far at all uh from their feed so if you're seeing them come out, you can almost bet the farm they're not bedded far from that spot. It's the same theory I always get a kick out of trail camera users and how they how they, how they approach uh, disturbance with that deer. If you're getting pictures of a big whitetail and a big mature whitetail, that deer is probably bedded within a hundred yards of that of that trail camera. And, and, and if, if, if he's not, you need to treat it as if he is. And then you'll keep the disturbance down. So just remember that. Uh, but the same way with, with big whitetails, uh, hunting them in early season right now. And that is you have to make sure that when they do come out and you don't get a shot, that you're able to get out of there without disturbing that deer. So you've got to take a lot of time in figuring out not only an entrance plan, which is usually pretty easy because they're bedded when you go get in your stand, but an exit plan. And that exit plan, if that is not, if that's not orchestrated correctly, so think of this, then the first time you hunt that deer, and if you, if you don't get them killed, you're probably not going to see him again because when you leave that stand, you're going to make him aware he's being hunted. So take that in consideration when you're setting up to hunt a whitetail. You might have to give up a little bit of location of where you'd like to be to shoot him for an exit plan and just let him come to you after he comes out. Hi, folks. It's Aaron Jeffries with the Missouri Department of Conservation with a little habitat hint here. Uh, no surprise, uh, we are in the middle of a pretty severe drought across most of mid-Missouri. Uh, would encourage folks to take a look at diversifying their grazing systems. Uh, right now, the department, NRCS, and other partners do have cost share available for the establishment of native form season grasses for grazing and haying purposes. What a great program. What a wonderful way of diversifying your grazing system and actually having a drought tolerant 
productive grass in the months of June, July, and August. If you're looking for more information, would encourage you go to go to the Missouri Department of Conservation's website at mdc.mo.gov. And in the upper right-hand corner is contacts. Go to your county and find your private land conservationist for your county uh, to set up a meeting to look at ways that you can improve your property, not only for wildlife, but also forage production for your cattle. Hey everybody, this is Alex Rutledge with American Roots Outdoors. Check out my buddy's podcast show, Living the Dream Outdoors with Bill Cooper and Hunter Heineman. You're really going to enjoy this week's show. Welcome back to Living the Dream Outdoor podcast. I've been having a great time here with Greg Kaiser and Jim Garrett. These guys are from Illinois. That's across the river, you know. (laughs) Yeah, we're not very welcome down here in the south. (laughs) I I think you guys are doing great. You've uh, volunteered your time here at Blue Blank Resort for a media event, been taking folks out crappie fishing and having a great time. It's been kind of a rough couple of days for us man the temperature dropped it got cold man we scraped frost for 30 minutes i think yeah we did fishing's all. been good though <laughs> yeah i've seen some big slaps i even caught a couple of dandies today i didn't fish very long but boy my my guide uh, he was like a football coach man i'm not used to all these fancy electronics the long rods and all that stuff right. but he was i mean right on top of me that you know move that thing two inches to the left jiggle it a little bit two minutes i caught a 13 inch crappie right i, I stickle pink and so i could I very quickly figured out he knew what he was doing <laughs> and very good at it so i kind of sat back and started doing a little video and interviews and that sort of thing get some work done you know i have to, I ju- have to justify my trip <laughs> you, gotta, you gotta pay the bills <laughs> gotta pay the bills <laughs> but we were just talking about uh, guides you know and the importance particularly in today's world so the pace is just ungodly I families mean, people you got kids. Got kids, and they got ball games and church activities, school activities, and friends. <laughs> Video games, phones. Exactly. They've all come into uh, uh, into the world now of technology. Absolutely. And, and, you know, it embarrasses me sometimes. If I've got a problem with my computer, I call my 12-year-old grandson. <laughs> <laughs> High-tech dudes, man. But, you know, kindergarten, they got computers. Yeah. But for you as a fishing guide – it's tough to compete with some of that stuff. <laughs> yeah. How do you coax people into coming to fish with you? Well, that's a good question. You, you know, get- we, 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 uh, how I became a guy was I was, I started missing my own kids fishing with me and taking people fishing. Yeah. You know, I owned a, a, a place on Lake Mattoon for 30 years and we would, we, he would come out and we would have weekends where we took our kids fishing and we would clean how many? How many we clean a weekend? A bunch. I mean, that, bunch. there was no limit on that lake, size or creel. We would go wow. home with a five-gallon bucket full of fillets. That's and a lot our of work. Kids loved it. Really? They, they pitch in and help you clean fish. They uh, helped us clean. There was awesome. one time me and him took a took a, a load of wood down. Remember that? Yep. We took a load of wood down and we took all the kids with us to help us with the wood. Sure. Well, 
Instead of helping us with the wood, they grabbed the fishing poles and went over oh, and started fishing off the dock. I like dots. those kids. I like the way they think. I used to do that. You know, I, I grew up picking cotton and hoeing cotton and all that stuff. Just drudgery work and hard. Right. It, like I tell my grandkids, they don't even believe it. I said, my first day in a cotton field, I was six years old, hoeing cotton. And I thought it was the coolest thing in the world. I was going to the field with the big guys, man. I'm big stuff, you know. Well, two hours of that, I'd had enough. And I kind of fell behind a little bit, and I slowly laid my hoe down on the ground, took off to the house. Well, my dad turned around and saw me leaving. Well, where are you going? I'm going home. <laughs> oh, no, you're not. Uh-uh. My dad kept me out. I was six years old, kept me out there in the hot sun for 10 hours i thought i died and gone to hell man that's a truth that's a and ben I'm, I'm telling you but you know i'm thankful for the work ethic and all that sort of thing but my dad would take me fishing but talk about your kids skipping out on the work deep yeah we, we unloaded the wood oh while, yeah while they were fishing the docks and they filled a five-gallon bucket in an hour and a half of crappie, and we had to clean them. We're like, all right, kiddos, I don't that's feel enough. sorry for you. We're, we're cleaning. And they're, like, they're bringing more. Like, Stop. That's awesome, though. Yeah, but you think they'll tell their grandkids about that? Absolutely. For sure yeah. they will. And you know what? You could sit and watch 100 TV shows with them or play 100 video games. They'd probably never mention that to their grandkids. That's an interesting phenomenon. I think. Hey, I think it's in our DNA. We are predators. We we got canine teeth. You know, we eat meat. Uh, I can't help it what people say, but it's in our DNA right. to be a, a, a predator. And you let a kid act that out just like you're talking about your kids doing, I think they're doing what comes natural to us. Right. And it was just my kids. There would be a line at my door wanting to know if we was going to the lake that weekend. Really? And I, am I lying? No, you always had. Always full, had people. and, and Full and camper. Full camper all the time because my kids' as friends, parents didn't do that. Wow. Yeah, I bet you were a hero in the community then. But can you imagine, you know, and sometimes I don't think we think far enough into the future about this thing, but how that affected those kids' lives for the rest of their life. Right. You've taught them a skill, maybe kind of by accident in, in some cases, but it's something that can do almost all of their lives. That's right. And how much pleasure, how many times will that your efforts be multiplied then? So we, 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 we love going fishing with our kids, so we planned a trip with our daughters. There you go. We are going to Sardis Lake on November 29th and going to be there for five days just fishing for big fish with our daughters. That's incredible. Now, one of my daughters still fishes, the oldest daughter. She never really got into it, but my second daughter loves to fish. She loves to deer hunt, and her husband, oh, that, that's just a good outdoor family, you know, and they only had one child, and she's away from home all, already, unbelievable to me. But uh, Jessica and JP, they've, they've got a camper trailer, and they like to trout fish, so they travel around to the trout parks quite a bit, but I can't tell you how that tickles me just to see a daughter out there fishing, knowing how to do it. Right. Rather skilled. You know, she's a decent shot, you know, with a shotgun. They bird hunt and deer hunt and do all those sorts of things. And now, I don't know. Are you guys old enough to have grandkids? Probably mm, not. He just had one. Did you really? First one. He's five months old now. 
Well, congratulations. Now, Thank you. I'm telling you, you are in for some grand adventures with grandchildren. I thought kids were great. Of course, uh, and I've got one uh, 12-year-old grandson. He lived for several years of his life with me and my wife. And, man, that little guy grew up, man. I mean, we got in trouble with grandma and mama a few times but we were having some good times and he eventually moved away to st charles missouri because mom got married again you know and they went to the city for good jobs and that kind of stuff but he gets to come out the summers and man do we ever we float the rivers we go we'd find a mud hole we'd fish in it you know but i've got a good friend that's got a 15 acre lake real remote way back in the boonies and Hardly anybody fishes a place, and I take him over there and put my my uh, bass boat in there, and uh, while well, we can catch two two and a half pound largemouth till our arms fall off, you know. But I wouldn't give all the money in the world for those experiences, right? And of course, he he loves to catch the biggest fish, you know, and that's uh, he likes to put it on Grandpa. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have that quite that uh, experience with grandchildren yet, but. Well, I hope you. it's coming for you. I, I, I tell you, man, <laughs> I miss. <laughs> I don't know why he's laughing. But <laughs> My kids are 27 and 25, so it can happen anytime. Oh, absolutely. And, uh, I'll, I'll tell you, though, I mean, I miss I miss the times with my kids out fishing. And we would, and my kids would go when me and, he, me and him went. We would, we would pack the boat up right after work and let's go. Yep. I, I would like to tell you a little something that I did here recently, which I'm hoping becomes fruitful in the future. Uh, not that I don't appreciate the Christmas gifts that my family gives me. I do. Um, but sometimes the gift is not useful. Right. <laughs> right. I understand. I, I, you know, it's not that. And so what I did was I told my daughter, who. I mean, she she tries, but I would much rather, and I, I told her, I said, for, so if you want to give me a Christmas gift, give me a blank book, checkbook, four days a year. That's all I'm asking for, four, where your schedule's free, my schedule's free, and you go fishing with me, or awesome. you go hunting with me. Awesome. Or, you know, because she's done all of it as right. a child. I made sure that they went with me, but their lives get busy. Right. Oh, and then exactly. and then you don't have any time to do these things or they're involved in this relationship and they just don't for whatever reason, you know, they can't see the road in front of their face. You know, they're so they're just going down it, but they're not seeing it. So I said, you know, just give me four days to do something, spend some time with you. Um That's a good idea. I would, yeah. You wouldn't mind if I copied that, would you? Nope. <laughs> I don't mind at all. Um, it, you know, I would, I would love for my other children to do that as well. Um, but f for whatever reason, I mean, they're, they're, she's the one that's most interested in the sporting, uh, that the fishing and the hunting, Right. Uh, my son, probably the hunting, but he's so busy. He just doesn't have time. I'm hoping one day when their lives settle down, they'll have sure. more time and we'll get back to it. Uh, if I'm still here. Yeah, <laughs> you ain't going nowhere. Shut up. I think up. all all families experience that. That though, my my only son is the same way. Just so busy. He's got several kids and all the activities thing that 
go on. But uh, he fishes some, but he never really got into hunting. But he works for a science firm that sends him all over the world. And the guy's a hiker and a backpacker. He climbed on how many mountains, canoes, kayaks, and he does take his children uh, fishing. So I'm thankful that, you know, he is uh, in the outdoors and loves it and spends a lot of time there. But getting that time for the two of us to do something together is tough. It's, it's tough. real Real tough. I agree. Yeah. Like me being a guide, you know, my, my my kids are always saying, hey, can we go fishing Saturday? I'm like, dang it, I'm booked. Uh, oh, yeah. I said, yeah. you got to give so me that's more on, than a couple that's days. That's on notice. you. That's on that side. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> that's on but that side. Of the I have learned that uh, uh, I will do what I can to take them out that day. Ab- absolutely. Well, i got to ask you, if we kind of wind down here, uh I always scratch my head when I look at people who are fishing guides, and I wonder, what in the world ever happened? What trauma in their life ever happened to make them want to be a fishing guide? <laughs> What's the charm of being a fishing guide? Me, personally, it's uh, uh, seeing the customer or the or the client uh, do something that they really can't do on their own. They don't have the electronics. They don't have a boat. They don't have none of that. When you go fishing with a guide, in particular myself, you show up. And I supply everything except for the fishing license. Right. And that is a huge burden off of some people. Oh, I'm sure sure it is. And I've been offered jobs to be a fishing guide, hunting guide, whatever. And I've guided people as a favor. I've never charged anybody a dime to do any of that. But I didn't want to get into the commercial end of it. I guess just because I didn't want to get nailed down on a Saturday. Right. You know, I didn't. it wasn't that important to give me – give that up now i'd take somebody fishing or hunting whatever and go but my end goal was to get a story out of it right that was my my thrill i still i get as big a thrill out of writing a nice story as you do catching a three pound oh i get stories out of them buddy let me (laughs) tell you i bet you do (laughs) let me put this guy thing into perspective in my world so uh my main Focus is fishing and hunting, deer hunting, uh, and has been for years. Uh, more so now, fishing in the fall. We would, lo- I would love to experience duck hunting. I don't have the time or the resources. Now we're staying here at Blue Bank Resort, which is an awesome facility. I mean, it it it's has the boats it, it here. Really is. It, it it's got everything you need. The food is great. the The hospitality is great. Not nicer people in the area. Um, you're right on the water. You go out, get in a boat. You can go out and fish all day. They've got guides down here yeah. and beautiful fish in this lake. Um, and, and it's not that far. It's kind of centrally located. So it's right here. So you can come from a lot of different directions and be here in short order. Well, there's another, there's a couple guys we know on the lake that we've met mm-hmm. at, at these events. So, you know, uh, thank you to crappie monster for, you know, uh, pulling, certain different people together in the world and uh exposing us to you know what's going on out there and they guide on this lake for ducks absolutely i'm gonna be here in december january for the first time i'm gonna oh, hire you're coming for that, the first yeah. time huh yeah the duck hunt over here we're talking about doing it yeah we are Wait, <gasps> and we i don't want to go invest a lot of money in right, this but right, i want to yeah. experience it yep so the smartest thing for me to do, I'm not going to go out there and wander around. Yeah. I, one, I don't know all the rules and regulations, and right. there's a lot of them. We're not going to spend money on decoys. We're not going to spend money exactly. on all that. All we got to do is 
show up and let the guy do his job. And from and, what I hear, they cook you food in the blind. Oh, they I don't do. Know. Oh, that's awesome. Man, I've done a lot of that in my they life. They do cook you food. In fact, in my boat, I carry a little backpacking stove. It It is so cool, man, the duck duck blind to whip out you know some bacon and eggs and whatever you know of course i love to cook i'm known as the gravel bar gourmet in the ozarks <laughs> and cook a lot of i've cooked hundreds if not thousands of meals over the decades right on the gravel bar i just had gary mason over a couple weeks ago they were smallmouth fishing on the gasconade river and i paddled the kayak got way ahead of them and and uh I had, I mean, I had a little table, chairs, tablecloth, whole nine yards, made biscuits and a cast iron Dutch oven. Heard you made some pancakes. Hey, my wife's favorite. I always have to cook them for cinnamon apple pancakes with real maple Mm. syrup and whipped cream on top. Mm. That was after ham and eggs and biscuits. uh, You know, we just had dinner, but you're making me hungry. (laughs) I I know, but everybody rags me about it. I got to get a new fishing partner. (laughs) I'm not cooking you nothing on the bank. (laughs) Well, I tell everybody, everybody, I get a lot of questions. Well, what's, you know, what's your secret ingredient for this, that, or the other. I said, I don't care what I cook on a gravel bar. My secret ingredient is the same thing for everything. Well, what's that? A pinch of sand. (laughs) (laughs) Crunchy pancakes. (laughs) Yeah. I said, you wind up getting sand in a lot of that river food anyway. You know, It's good for your craw. (laughs) Well, guys, this has just been an incredibly good uh, time. It's been a pleasure to spend a couple days with you guys. But, uh, Jim, tell folks how they can get a hold of you if they want to schedule a fishing trip in Illinois with you. They could go to Facebook and uh, look up G&G Outdoors or uh, call 217-377-9846. Hey, sounds like a deal. Repeat that first one more time. G&G Outdoors on Facebook and 217-377-9846. Well, man, I appreciate it again. We've had a great time here at Blue Bank Resort over in Real Foot Lake in Tennessee. And Greg Kaiser, Jim Garrett, myself, We are living our outdoor dreams. We encourage you to get in the outdoors and enjoy your outdoor dreams as well. I'm Bill Cooper. Captain Brian Wilson runs one of the tightest boat fishing operations in the business. Stainwater Boat Fishing operates out of Jerome, Missouri and the beautiful Missouri Ozarks. They cover most Ozark streams and lakes. You haven't lived until you've searched Ozark waters during the night with Stainwater Boat Fishing while looking for giant gar, carp, and buffalo. Captain Wilson also runs a second boat on Tanicomo Lake. Call today to book a trip with Stainwater Boat Fishing at 573 573- 263-8016. Again, that's 573-263-8016. Be sure and shoot straight. The Live in the Dream Outdoors podcast is brought to you by Live in the Dream Outdoor Properties, The Fly Rod Journals, SmokerBuilder.com, Cowtown USA, Westover Farms, Scenic Rivers Taxidermy, Stained Water Bow Fishing, Scenic Rivers Guide Service and Tours, Huzzah Valley Resort, Pico Lures, Devil's Backbone Outfitters, The Fallen Outdoors, Ledco Sinkers and Lure Company, Turnbow Outdoors, J&J Charters, Kaufman Cove, Alaska, Big Ed's Guide Service, Bean Creek Game Calls, Misty Mountain Guide Service, ASO Guides and Outfitters with Ryan Walker, 
On the Hook TV and Rich's Famous Burgers. Land ownership is the American dream. Land is the basis of all life. Our wise use of this most precious of resources ensures the survival and growth of free institutions and our American way of life. At Living the Dream Outdoor Properties, we value the traditions and freedoms that land provides us. Every day we seek the solace of a mountain sunrise over traffic jams and smog, the calming silence of a bubbling stream over the sirens of the city, and the quiet of the countryside over the hustle and bustle of the world. We hunt, we fish, we farm, we live off the land. It's our mission to help our clients live out their dreams on the land as we do. At Living the Dream Outdoor Properties, we believe that it's not just land, it's a lifestyle. Join us five days a week on Living the Dream Outdoor Podcast as the Living the Dream Outdoor Dream Team explores the most desired outdoor properties in the Midwest and whisks you away to incredible hunting, fishing, and outdoor recreation opportunities. Host Bill Cooper, an inductee of the National Freshwater Fishing Hall of Fame, will be joined by members of the Living the Dream Outdoors team each week as they tell tall tales, unveil tips and tactics, and rub elbows with some of the biggest names in the outdoor world. You'll also find the Living the Dream Outdoors podcast on your favorite social media platforms, including Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, and TikTok.